later on in life, obviously, you know, you get a little bit older and it's one of those things you, you wish you would have taken a lot serious at a younger age. But yeah, you know, just going out playing with the boys and uh, kind of got me back into it. And then you recatch that bug. And once you recatch that bug, it's, it's, uh, it's game on from there. This is The Tournament Code. Brock, we know about you. We know you're cadding out there on the Corn Ferry. But before we start talking about that, and there's a lot of questions we got about that, let's start sure. where we start with everybody, which is the beginning. Tell us about how you got into the game of golf. Yeah, sure. So um, I grew up here in Charleston, South Carolina, which there's a lot of great golf courses, obviously, here. And we were kind of raised into it, my older brother more so than any of us. He was pretty much born with the club in his hand. He was a really good junior player. We all played what was called CSCJGA, which is uh, junior golf here pretty much in South Carolina. Funny enough, my siblings were always a lot better than I was. I was kind of the, the – uh, I loved the game, but I was like hot-headed, you know. I'd hit a shot, and I'd be the kid that, you know, the 11-year-old out there crying, you know, throwing clubs. You know, I, I wasn't uh, – I, I when it's time to compete or quote unquote compete in junior golf, I, I wasn't the best, needless to say. So yeah, I, I, I kinda was cause uh was was raised into it um at a young age and didn't really play a lot after kind of life things happened and um went elsewhere with my life and golf wasn't really an option, if you will. So yeah, I didn't really get back into golf until later on in life. Uh started playing um, realized, you know, that's, that's what I wanted to do with my life. I'm not good enough to be a professional golfer. What's the next best thing? It's, uh, become a caddy. So yeah. Absolutely. Did you play any other sports growing up or anything in the meantime? Yeah. So I played football. Football was my sport, man. I uh, played defensive back, which a little short guy, but I was, uh, at least pretty quick at a young age. So that's probably all I had going for me. And I like to hit people. So that, that, that helped out a lot too. I was never, you know, really good by any means, but uh, had a big heart, and I love uh, love sports and love the game and what it can do for people. So I, I think that uh, that took me a long way for sure. That's a good thing to have in a caddy too. I can imagine having that love for the game and wanted to be around. So you said you got back into the game of golf. Tell us a little bit about what got you back into the game of golf and what like your transition and path to being a caddy looks like. Sure. Yeah. So I mean. Later on in life, obviously, you know, you get a little bit older and it's one of those things you, you wish you would have taken a lot serious at a younger age. But yeah, you know, just going out playing with the boys and uh, kind of got me back into it. And then you recatch that bug. And once you recatch that bug, it's, it's, uh, it's game on from there. So I was actually working at the time before I started caddying. I was a, a chef. And when I wasn't in the kitchen, I was on a golf course seven days a week because that's where my passion was. That's where I went to, you know, mellow down and you know kind of take it all in and my therapy quote unquote if you will so yeah i was just tired of being in the kitchen man and uh realized hey maybe this is something i want to chase so i i ended up starting to club caddy out at kiowa um here in charleston and uh didn't really know how i wanted to get to the next level in caddying i kind of took took it in stride and um just kind of did the club caddying thing for a while and then uh, realized, you know, I, I love this. I, I, I love the knowledge of the game. I love being able to possibly help somebody be better or succeed, if you will, in the game. So I decided to try and um, start caddying on the Corn Ferry Tour. 
the way I did it was a little uh, different than everyone else does. You know, most of those guys are either college teammates or they're, they're, they're ex players or what have you. I'm a 10 handicap, so I'm not a, you know, a great golfer by any means. I know what to do. It's just doing it. You know, you guys are well-oiled machines, as I like to say, pro golfers are, and uh, even uh, college golfers, man, it's just, they, they have the same swing over and over and it's just little, little minor things. And it's, it's crazy how, how talented those guys are. But uh, yeah, so I, like I said, I kind of got into it a little different than everyone else did. I would go on the leaderboard, started going on the leaderboards and seeing guys that were kind of struggling, maybe were looking to, you know, make a caddy change or something like that, if you will. And uh, just, yeah, reached out, shot my shot with a bunch of guys. And, you know, a lot of guys never even replied. And uh, luckily, my first bag that I started working on was Alexandre Roca, um, who's a, a vet. And um, he wanted a newer guy without tour experience, kind of wanted a guy that he could kind of train to caddy the way he wanted to be caddied. So, yeah, he gave me a chance, man, and hired me, and I've been rolling ever since. So, yeah. What was that first week on the bag like in the Corn Ferry Tour event? Man, it was – Coming straight off of the club caddying. It was a culture shock for sure. I, I thought I knew what caddying was, and I had absolutely no idea. The The first week was crazy. My first event was in Raleigh at Wakefield Plantation. My first grouping pairing ever was with Mark Hubbard and Ben On. So, that was – just crazy to be able to, you know, go from caddying for 24 handicaps and uh, seeing, you know, arguably two of the best golfers right now at this time, two guys that are really, really good. And uh, it was definitely a culture shock, man. I, I, I thought caddying was a certain type of way. And I realized really quick that it was, it's a completely different game on tour. It's, uh, there's a lot more that goes into it than just, you know, giving a number and uh, yeah, giving a read on a putt. So it was great though, man. It was awesome. We ended up top tending that week. I don't know how much of that was my doing because I don't think I read a putt all week or uh, it was just mostly, you know, number club. Here it is. Bam, bam, bam. So, uh, but it was great, man. It was awesome to be able to finish top 10 and kind of get a good little feeling of, you know, what a decent little paycheck is like on the Corn Ferry Tour and uh, ended up next week missing the cut. So got brought back down to earth really quickly. Um, but yeah, man, it was, it was awesome for sure. You mentioned there's a lot more things than you thought you would need to know sure. in order to be a really good caddy. So like break down some of those specific skills that you need to have as a caddy and just what, what a week looks like. Yeah, man. So, um, nine times out of, you know, half the battle is finding somebody that you're, you can be with for eight hours to 10 hours a day on a daily basis, city to city. And I had never done that. You know, I caddied for, you know, I'd caddy for a round for people. And if I saw them again, I saw them again. If not, um, you know, I didn't. But it was just, I guess, yeah, in that aspect, um, stop, stop barking. In that aspect, um, to, how do I say this? Be able to figure out someone's personality and knowing what they like and what they don't like, certain things to say. Obviously, you know, you got the obvious things. You're not, you know, you don't talk about the, the, the only bunker that's there, or the water that's all down the left side that we don't want to hit into, obviously. And those were things I had to learn because as a, you know, a club caddy, you got to tell these people, hey, look here, you know, we, we have got to miss this. And these guys are so good on tour, man. You don't even have to say that. You just, you give them a line, you, you, you tell them this is where we finish. This is the club all day long and, and this is perfect. And you let them get up and do their thing at, at that point. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's uh, the main thing is is just being more personable, which I, I hadn't, I didn't have to do that in club caddying. You just kind of be nice and you ride it to the end, and then you get tipped, and 
you're on about your way. Um, and that's completely different now that you're with a guy more than you're with your significant other. And um, you kind of feel them out and find things that you can say during the round that aren't going to take their mind completely off the game. Because, uh, you know, you got a task at hand. Obviously, you're trying to win a golf tournament, but you, you don't want them stressing over every single shot, obviously. You want to make it as easy as possible for them to, you know, go out and do what they do best. Their name's on their bag for a reason, and they're at that uh, level of golf for a reason. They're good enough to be there, and you're just kind of the the voice in the background giving them confirmation that, you know, this is this is what we're supposed to be doing, and this is perfect. So, yeah. Absolutely. I think you hit on something important there and uh, insightful as well and very, very self-aware, and that is at the end of the day, the caddy, pretty much everybody but the player, is not the star of the show. The player's the star of the show, and you're you're there to help make them better. And I haven't I haven't been in that position, but uh, as a lawyer, like I have inter- an intern that works with me, and there's a certain way I want to work with my intern. I want my intern to do X, Y, and Z, and here's this here's the standard I hold them to, and here's what I want out of them. If they just do their job, like I can handle the rest. They just have to be competent at a f- at a, the few of those things. And I can for imagine sure. going from being a club caddy to, as you mentioned, caddying for Roka, like that could be, as you said, a, a culture shock. So tell us a little bit about finding that fit as, as far as like learning how to support them and play that supporting role. Because despite being, being a supporting role doesn't mean you're not important. It just, sure. not being the starter role doesn't mean you're not important. It just means that you got to do the, be good at what you do, providing that support. Yeah. So, I mean, in the beginning, a big thing for me was, you know, I I was very kind of not, I don't want to say walking on eggshells, but I didn't want to mess up, you know, because I knew I was getting a great opportunity. And I, if I saw a putt that, you know, he had read and I I saw a little bit more in the beginning, I was very hesitant to even, you know, kind of say something just because he's Roka um, is, uh, uh, first of all, you know, he's a great guy to work for. And I learned so much from that guy. He taught me a lot about the game and course management things that um, still I use to this day that have gone a long way. And yeah, so I mean, in the beginning, I was just kind of uh, a mule, if you will, and just kind of did what he told me to do. And um, I wouldn't really step in on shots. Or if I liked a certain club, I I, I wouldn't even say it kind of sort of. And whether that hurt us or not, you know, I, I don't know. But um, I think I needed to do that for a little while and kind of take it all in and kind of just realize that there are certain times to say something and there's certain times that there's, you know, you just let your player do what they're going to do because, like I said before, they're good enough and they, they've got to this level um, doing what they do. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if that answers that 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 perfectly, but, yeah. No, it's good. Um, What – what do you think is the hardest part about being a caddy on the Corn Ferry Tour? Um, it's a grind, man. I mean, obviously, I don't do it for the money. If you're caddying for money, you're not doing – you need to pick something else, obviously, because it's, it's not the best money in the world. Mind you, you know, Ted Scott's made a killing this year, but, you know, he's working for arguably the greatest golfer of our generation. So – it's not about the money. It's tough, man. It's a grind. You know, if you got a loved one, I have a fiance. She's a lawyer here in Charleston as well. Um, so she stays pretty busy herself, obviously. I'm going to have a dog who's my pretty much my child that I, that I miss so much on the road. And um, just the family aspect of it is pretty difficult. And it's, it's not for everybody. It's, it's something that you kind of got to get used to. And you just got to, you know, realize that you're going to be away from your loved ones, you know, most of the year, if you will. 
and you know, so that's a grind part of it as well. And then just the back end of the work, you know, the, the stress and stuff, people just see that we're on the golf course every single day, you know, going city to city. They think I'm absolutely living the life, which I consider, you know, I, I do love it. I, I do, but there's back end stuff that people don't know, you know, the stress of being on the cut line and having eight holes to play. And, you know, you got three really tough holes coming up and, um, you know, the back end stress that goes into it, which I love. I love it. It's all part of the game. It's part of the competition. But yeah, man, just um, I'd say the, the the most difficult thing about it is probably, you know, being away from your family and your loved ones for so long. It, but in the back of your mind, you got to know you're doing it for a reason and you're chasing a dream and um, you're trying to help whoever you're working for to make it to the next level. To You kind of just want to be a little part in their story, um, making it to the big leagues, you know? Absolutely. I think something that people like to hear about like when we when we talk about PGA tour broadcasts etc one of the recurring complaints is you know you have the announcers talking over players you don't get to hear the caddy player conversation so kind of what one of the things i maybe would like to do here is we we obviously can't we can't recreate that but what i w- what i would like to hear is kind of have you walk us through your first season with roca like how the events went like a little bit about the travel and then sure. also how you were preparing, how you learned to prepare. Cause I imagine like early on your preparation for events, as you said, changed over time. So tell us a little bit about that and take, take as much time as you want on that too. Yeah. So working for Roka, obviously, like I said, was great. I mean, he, he kind of knew what he wanted. He's a pro's pro. He's done it for a long time. He kind of knew what he wanted walking into every single shot. He was pretty well prepared. My yardage books, if you look at them from my first, you know, five, six, even even really, you know, just the first year in general last year, my yardage books would probably look pretty poor and there's not a whole lot of information in there just because I, you know, had to learn on the fly. And as you go, um, learning how to mark up a yardage book and get as much information in there as possible. And I was really gung-ho about, you know, wanting to walk with vets. Um, I'd like to go walk the golf course with guys that have done it before you know, and I was just be kind of a sponge, just soaking up, you know, don't ever think, you know, something you're going to tell me is dumb. Because if I I, want to know whatever it is, whatever you're going to tell me, I'm going to take it and I'm going to run with it. Um, So just little things, you know, that take you a long way on the golf course, that that definitely took a little while to kind of figure out and, and realize that there was a certain way to go about that. Everybody's got their own way to do it, how they walk a course and how they kind of get the information that they get. But with Roca, it was it was pretty pretty simple, if, if I do say so. Um, he didn't need a lot of information. He just wanted to know the number, you know, and what's the front number, back number, what's the number to the pin, where are we going to hit this, you know, what's the carry number over this bunker. Um, there wasn't really much uh, strategic um, thought that goes into it, kind of like how I am now with Jacob, if that makes sense. So, yeah, um, it definitely took a little while to kind of just pick different guys' brains and see how guys did it themselves. Because even through college golf, these guys have been coached up by the best guys in the world, and they have been taught course management skills that I never would have heard of, you know, um, in that aspect, just not growing up in the college golf scene or um, competitive golf, really, in that aspect. Um, So, yeah, just soaking up little things like that, um, learning how to – um, dissect a golf course and kind of just make it as simple as possible, have enough information to where your guy can go out there and just swing the golf club and know that he's hitting the right club 24 seven. 
And yeah, obviously, you know, it's not always perfect. We're human. You know, you can get a gust or something can happen and, you know, you're looking at the club, you're looking at the, 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 um, the sprinkler head, making sure you hit the, the right club and made the right decision there. But, uh, yeah, it's still a learning process for sure, man. And I'm still learning as I go, but, um, I can definitely say that, um, as opposed to like the first couple of weeks being out there to now it's, I feel a lot more comfortable approaching, uh, golf courses and doesn't matter if it's someplace I've never seen before. I, I kind of know how to attack it and get pretty familiar with it pretty quickly. What are some of those strategy conversations look like with you and Jacob as opposed to you and Alexander? So Roca, like I said before, was just really pretty simple as it gets, you know, number. And in that aspect, Jacob is too as well. Um, we played with Josh Teeter, great golfer. I think he went to Moorhead. No, he went to Kentucky. Did he go to Moorhead State? No, he went to Moorhead. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Good deal. So Every, everybody always wants to say he went to UK. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. He went to Moorhead. So he uh he he even said last week, man, it's a breath of fresh air to play with a young kid that comes out and likes to step up to the ball and just hit it. Because a lot of these, you know, younger guys that are coming out now are very methodical and they're they're used to having their coach in their ear and all right, let's think about this, you know, where where this, this and this. But with on on my end, you know, and Jacob as well. We pretty much got to get a really good idea. We treat our practice rounds pretty seriously, um, kind of figuring out where to miss, where's good, obviously the normal stuff that everybody does. But uh, Jacob's definitely very mature in that aspect to where he knows, you know, what he what he wants and he wants to make it as simple as possible for himself to and it's almost the point, you know, we'll be he'll make a putt and we're walking to the next tee box. I haven't even taken out my yardage book and he's already saying, All right, this three wood today or it's this this three iron today and and, you know, we'll talk about why. And sometimes we won't talk about why. If he's feeling it and he's ready to rock and roll and I give him the wind and tell him, you know, pick out a good line, pick a target and hit it there. So, yeah, it's it's definitely different working for the two. But um, it's 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 not better. I don't I, I, I don't know how to say it. It's it's not better um, than working for Roco. It's just uh, I feel like I have more of a voice, if that makes sense. Like he 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 cares about knowing that I put a lot of back end work into it. And yeah, he, he, he likes to know what I think about something. And if I don't like something he's going to do, he wants to know why, why um, is my decision better than what he's thinking at the time. Um, and yeah, it wasn't really like that with Roka. Roka kind of knew what he wanted to do and he was going to do it regardless of, you know, kind of what I said. So. Absolutely. You said you're very methodical about your practice rounds sure. and that's a, that's a mistake not the myth, the being methodical but practice rounds are a mistake that uh junior golfers college golfers and even plenty of professional golfers we've seen make as far as not doing the right things in a practice round and sure. it's i think i think it's important to treat them seriously when you guys are going through your pra- practice round tell us like specifically hey here's what here's what we're writing down like not just we're writing down where to miss, where not to miss. We're figuring out like what makes something where to miss, what makes something uh, where not to miss, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, um, obviously, you know, you want to find a good line off the tee first and foremost to give yourself the best opportunity to have a look at whatever the pin is that day. And so practice round, you know, you kind of pick your clubs on the tee and you, you know, you, you, hit it where you're going to hit it during the tournament. And me and Jacob do a really good job of that. We kind of treat the practice round like it is the tournament. We're just not going out to hang out with, you know, our other buddies that are out there and 
you hit a bad shot, we're playing it from where you hit the bad shot from because in the tournament you don't just get to do it. Some of these guys I see in the practice round, that well, they won't hit the bad shot. They'll take it and put it out in the fairway. This is where I'm going to hit it during the, the tournament. And Okay, that sounds really good. But um, in the tournament you can't just pick it up and toss it in the fairway, you know. So um, that's a big thing, I think, kind of treating the practice round like you're in the tournament. And as far as, like, you know, where to miss and all that good stuff, you – you never want to be short-sighted, all that good stuff, you know, which is which is pretty obvious with what we all know. Um, but just, yeah, you, you, you want to make it as easy as possible. I, can, I know I keep saying this, but you want to make it as easy as possible for this guy to get this ball in the hole and be able to go to the next hole confident knowing that you made, you know, whether it's par four, you made four right decisions um, how to get that ball in the hole. And, uh, yeah, I think that's the best way to answer that. Sorry if that was a little, no, no, a little short. That, but No, that, that's perfect. You mentioned something – that was interesting in a practice round, which is, you know, you don't get to toss the ball out back in the fairway. You got to, you got to play it uh, in a tournament. You got to play, play it where it lies. Tell us a little bit about, right. are you, are you keeping score there uh, or not? And then beyond that, are you guys like around the green? What is working on, uh, what is working around the green look like with uh, different types of short game shots? Are you playing multiple short game shots? You're playing none putting, what are you working on with green speeds, et cetera, especially because they should, they hand out pin sheets. Uh, so you yep. know where they're good. They're going to be, but yep. given that, what are you, what are you working on around the green too? Yeah. So around the greens, I mean, they do give you a pin sheet of where the pins were the, the previous year. It's not always going to be in that same exact spot. So, you know, a lot of guys, you know, can, you can kind of get the general area and I, do it for I think this is old school I don't know if it's old school or not but I you know I I take a ball and while he's putting to the certain pins I'll roll the ball around the green to the certain pins and try to find you know the straightest putt the flattest putt where can we hit it on this green even if you're 20 feet from the hole you know it's it's not a big huge swinger and you kind of you know you mark all those things down they're they're doing away obviously they did away with strap line and all that stuff so they're pretty particular about you not having like slope numbers and all that good stuff in your book. Um, but you can have like arrows, you know, which way the, the greens break in if they didn't draw, you know, the, the right amount of arrows in there, which like this past week in Chile, you'd have a gnarly slope on a, on a green and there was zero arrows in the book. And you're like, okay, we, that, that might be something we need to draw in there. We need to know that, you know, hitting a long iron into this green, but, uh, yeah, certain stuff like that. I mean, yeah, we hit a bunch of wedge shots around the green for places that were, you know, likely to miss. And yeah, as far as like speed and all that stuff goes, you get a good idea in the beginning of the week um, in the practice rounds, how the greens are rolling, what they're doing. Um, obviously, nine times out of 10 in our case, the greens get super firm, you know, come Saturday, Sunday, they don't put a lot of water on them. And they want it that way. They want you to have some dicey lies around the green. They want you to they want it to be difficult. They don't want it to be easy. Yeah, we, we work on the greens. Jacob Solomon is by far the best guy. I've ever, like, his wedge game is unbelievable. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's ridiculous. The kid gets up and down from just about anywhere. Um, I'll take him with a wedge in his hand against any guy on the PGA Tour, and that's not just saying that because I work for him. It's, it's really ridiculous and remarkable what he can do with a wedge in his hand. Um, so – in that aspect, he's it, we we do work on shots like that, but it's more of in the moment. You know, what's the best place? Where where are we going to hit this this ball? And uh, it kind of all comes with tournament. You can practice all that stuff in the practice round. It's good to practice certain missed spots, but um, it doesn't really relate 
perfectly to, you know, tournament conditions and, and when it's go time, when you're, you know, trying to make a cut or trying to keep a lead or X, Y, and Z, making the best decision in the heat of the moment. So, How is he deciding, like, where to chip from in a practice round? And, you know, how is he deciding where his misses are going to be or where he wants his misses to be so yeah it's obviously all that's pin pin placement dependent but um you know if there's a back left pin that's three off the left and you know 23 back you you want to and you quote unquote gonna have a um, an opportunity to attack that pin and say you're you know you're gonna miss it a little left we'll hit some you know some short game shots around that area um or short of the green sometimes you know in professional golf shorter is better than deep because you you know got a lot of elevated greens and stuff like that. And you can, you're struggling to make, you know, bogey if you hit it over the green or uh, get super short sided. So yeah, just trying to find the spots around the green that are easiest to miss to and find the best way to, you know, get your ball up and down from wherever around the green. So absolutely. You said that he's got a great wedge game and I believe if you didn't say it, then I, then I either heard it from my boss who, played with you guys the other week or from Corey Magger. And one of the things that uh, we learned about Jake was he, do- he doesn't hit it the farthest, but obviously he has a world-class wedge game. Tell us a little bit about, do you guys select your, like your courses, your, the tournaments you're playing in based on what sort of uh, how it's set, how it's going to set up for him in that regard. And then also on top of that, I know if I remember correctly, he got his corn fairy status this year and so yeah he's seeing a lot of these courses for the first time tell us a little bit about how you guys are selecting tournaments yeah so um he did he we we actually got hooked up for corn fairy finals uh his college teammate trace crow became a good buddy of mine last corn fairy season and i went and caddied um i caddied two first stages for two different guys one for my buddy and then i went and did second stage for roca um unfortunately roca didn't get through so I reached out to Trace Crow, um, asking if he needed a caddy for final stage. And he said, you know, I, I have somebody, but my college teammate needs a guy. And he got me in touch with Jacob. And yeah, we went down to Savannah and he played some really good golf. And we, I think we made a pretty good team. He finished T17, which gar- guaranteed him the first eight starts of the year. So yeah, I mean, every single one of these courses we're playing every week, he's, he's never seen before. And that's the same for me. I didn't start till, you know, pretty much halfway through the season last year. So all these courses that were playing in the beginning of the year, I've never seen before either. So it's uh, it's not something that we kind of say, hey, we're, we're going to go play this, we're going to go play that. At this point, you know, he's trying to make it to the PGA Tour. and um, There was some thoughts about not going to Chile possibly and not playing that event. And I told him, you know, dude, look here. Um, you'd hate to be that guy at the end of the year that misses their tour card by like six points or something crazy. And I've seen it happen, you know, obviously. Um, so I think he's pretty gung ho. I'm playing pretty much all of them this year. I know he's not going to play the BMW. That's a pretty quirky tournament, which is fine with me is the first cut I missed ever. So I got a, a rough spot with, with that tournament for sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it really, we, we kind of just take on what the course gives us. Like you said, he's not the longest hitter out there, but the kid's super accurate. He's really good at, uh, putting his ball and, you know, seeing a target and hitting it there. So yeah, um, it's not kind of sort of picking picking certain courses. We're gonna pretty much play all of them, and we just kind of kind of figure out and map out how his game can um, can be best played on on whichever course we have that week. So, what was the feel like at Q School versus 
the normal tour events? Man, it's uh, a lot more stressful for sure. You know, obviously, you know, you, you played Q school, you know, you know, you're playing for your career, man. You're, you're playing for that opportunity and that dream. And in, if you're blessed enough to make it through pre-qualifiers, if you're blessed enough to make it through first and second and get to final stage, you, you really, you want to make a mark because you, you know, in professional golf, you don't always get that opportunity. And when you have that opportunity, you have to take full advantage of it. So it was pretty stressful, man. The, we kind of shot a rough first round. I think we shot like one over or something like that. And then you battle back and had a great second round, made the cut, and then played some really good golf on the weekend. And um, it's it's crazy to kind of relate Q school to to tournament golf now because now you're showing up. You know you, you you're you know you're obviously you want to make the cut. That's that's a big thing. But it's not the stress of okay if we don't make this cut, I'm you know I'm I'm done. I don't know when my next opportunity is going to be. So. It was pretty stressful in Q school, just knowing that I'm being a part of uh, this kid's future and knowing that if I make a wrong decision, it could cost this guy, you know, the next however many years of playing golf. I don't know when he's going to get the next opportunity. And he was really good about, you know, being super mature in certain situations. Hit a bad shot. It's okay. You got to be patient. There's a lot of golf to be played. Um, you can make one bogey and turn it into three bogeys, or you can make a bogey and turn around and par or bury the next couple of holes and, and, and reel it back in pretty quick. So yeah, it's completely different, man. Uh, tournament golf, as opposed to Q school, just cause there's so much on the line for those guys and playing a tournament golf, you know, you're showing up and kind of reaping the benefits of what the tournament does for you. And, uh, you're just going out to play golf and do it, play it at the best of your ability, post a number. And if it gets the job done, great. If not, you know, you, you, you got more opportunities to be able to go out and do that again. So. Absolutely. When you guys finish up uh, a tournament, like obviously we're four events or something like that into the corn fairy season, if I'm not mistaken, six events, in. six events in, yeah. uh, at this time. And, when this releases, we'll probably we'll probably be a few more, plenty more into it. But at the, sure. at this point in time, you know, you've had some events under your belt. You've seen a l- little bit. When you wrap up the tournament, how do you guys like figure out like, hey, what can we learn from this? All that kind of stuff. Like, how do you determine whether it's a success or a failure? How do you learn from it? And what do you kind of take with you going to the next? Sure. I mean, you know, I guess where you finish is obviously a huge thing. If you finish, you know, top 20 and, um, you know, you, you may have left some strokes out there and it could have been a top 10 or top five or heck multiple times this year, me and him have both said, you know, there's no reason we shouldn't have won this golf tournament this week. And a lot of that comes with, you know, being there and doing it and the, uh, veteran, I guess, outlook on it, uh, definitely, definitely helps. But yeah, I mean, as far as saying whether it was a success or not, if as long as we're you know able to do this every day and go out on the golf course and do our jobs, I think it's a success in itself. Um, but yeah, as far as play and stuff like that goes, you know, we're we're well documented as far as his shots over the week, and we know what we're really good at, and um, I think it's a mutual thing. We know some things that we could work on, and we'll talk about that, and we're open with each other, and it's like, hey, you know, we we kind of struggled on par threes this week. Let's go get that dialed in. Let's go hit on the track, man, for x amount of time and let's see what we can do to kind of figure out if maybe hey we just need to hit into the center of every par three green and take our two putt par and go to the next hole um so yeah it's just certain things like that that kind of come with the experience and come with you know learning through maybe doing something that you weren't supposed to do or making a decision that maybe wasn't good 
and just learning on that and not doing that again. And like I said before, we're all human. We make mistakes. It's going to happen. Um, just, you know, trying to be professional about it and make sure you don't make the same mistake again. That's going to cost you, you know, potentially making it to the PGA tour or, um, you know, winning or losing a golf tournament. You talked earlier about how you got to find someone that you're willing to spend eight hours a day with more time than your significant other, uh, most of the time. And when it's good, it's really good. You know, you guys are hanging out doing, doing what you love to do, but when it's bad, um, how do you, how do you know when to kind of give each other space or, you know, stay together and talk it out? Yeah, sure, man. So uh, that's something I definitely have had to work on because I'm super competitive and I'm a really competitive guy. And it's easy for me to be on that side of the bag and be like, what in the world are we doing, man? You know, like the information's there, you know, and sometimes you both, you both, you guys played college golf. So, you know, the swing's not always there. You got little tweaks here and there that you got to figure out. Maybe it's something as small as, you know, bringing the club, you know, outside the line just a little bit. And that could cause you to be doing X, Y, and Z. And so, yeah, I mean, in the beginning when I worked for Roca, I'd catch myself getting really mad, you know, if we're struggling out there and, you know, you still got 14 holes left and it's like, you've been hitting it all over the place. And it's like, what do I say? How do I kind of go about this? And um, I definitely wasn't the best at that at first. I kind of did what caddies are hundred percent not supposed to do, which is wear my, you know, emotions on my sleeve. By any means, I'm not saying I'm freaking out, telling my guy what in the world, you know, you're, 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 you're stinking it up today or anything like that. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, knowing when to say something and when to be like, Hey dude, like, dude, you're, you know, we're good, man. You're, you're, you're here for a reason. You're, you're obviously good. We're not out here to prove anything to anybody. You've made it this far. Uh, let's just go play some golf. Let's do what you do. Let's go have fun. Let's make it fun. Let's act like you're playing your buddies in a practice round for, you know, a little bit of money or whatever. And, uh, let's just, let's just go treat it like fun. And, um, yeah, I think, and Jacob's attested to this. I've gotten a lot better about that as the year's gone on, even just this year, I've gotten better about it. Um, just kind of taking things in full stride and realizing that it's professional golf, dude, you're going to make mistakes. Things are going to happen. It's, it's how you react to the reaction um, or what happens is it's what's going to take you to the next level or um, keep you successful. And if you, you know, you make a bogey and you get bummed about it and your caddy's over there pouting and, you know, not wanting to give you a number or he's quiet, um, you know, that's not always helpful. And you're the only guy on that guy's side and they want to know that you're in it with them. Um, And obviously, you know, like I said, I'm super competitive. So, I think the guys I work for can see that and they can kind of tell like, you know, he wants this just as bad as I do. Um, He wants me to be successful just as bad as I do. Um, And just figuring out the correct way to going about that and the right things to say in the certain situations when your guy's struggling. And it's definitely a thing where you got to be comfortable with your guy and, you know, you, you spend more time together, you do more tournaments. And now I can pretty much talk to Jacob how I want to talk to him and, um, he doesn't take offense to it and he, he appreciates constructive criticism. Um, and yeah, you just kind of got to know how to constructive criticize rather than, um, kind of tearing your guy down, if that makes sense. Agreed and understood. I think that that's an important component, obviously of being a caddy. And that was a question that Cooper, Cooper was right on the money and asking because it's, it's hard not to do it. And I always feel like I sometimes pick on Cooper because I've caddied for Cooper. We've worked together and I've said the wrong things uh, potentially, or he's reacted the wrong way. One of us was at fault. Um, 
but <laughs> I was, and you know, I was, I've caddied for one of our good friends, Ashton Van Horn on the corn Ferry tour. Solid I did dude. it for three, three weeks. He's a great guy, but you know, there were times when we were sitting in that hotel room together when he just shot 74 or something. And it just wasn't helping to be together right, at that point because right. all you were going to do was sit on your bed and stare at the ceiling and talk about the bogeys or whatever. Yep. And um, it's just tough. That's Coop- a big thing too, man. That's a big thing as far as like, sometimes you just don't need to say anything. Sometimes there you need your space. You both know, you know, it's not, you, you were there together. You saw the shot together. You, you know, maybe that something was screwed up or the day was super tough and, you don't need to sit there and talk about it after because that's just more golf that those guys need to sit there and think about because they're thinking about it enough while we're on the golf course. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely a huge part. Me and Jacob have stayed together multiple times this year. Uh, we stayed together in the Bahamas. Um, unfortunately, we, we uh, missed the cut in the first Bahamas events, the only cut we've missed this year. We were two inside the number on the 18th hole and uh, just kind of, you know, he was pretty nervous his first corn Ferry event you know you're out here you're about to make the cut all these things come into play um and uh after the fact you know we missed the cut we're bummed but then it's like we don't sit there and go back to the hotel room and talk about okay what if we would have what if we would have done it what if we would have done that because that's just way too much in their head they're already thinking about it enough while we're out there so yeah, sometimes the best thing to do is just not say anything at all, man. Just, you know, um, know that your guy's good enough to be there and just wake up another day, go out, beat some balls and, um, yeah, figure out what you can do better to make the situation a little bit different. That's spot on. And that kind of leads us to another spot, which there's plenty of golf to be played, but there's plenty of things outside of golf that have to get done. And there's plenty of other things to do. What are you guys doing during the week besides golf? Like, who are you hanging out with? What are you doing in your free t- free time? Sure. Um, Jacob's a big gamer. He loves the game. He's uh which I love. I think it's great. He'll, you know, we'll go whether he shoots, you know, 65 or 74, he'll go to the hotel room, hop on cod with his buddies and uh get after it and I always he I always make fun of him. We'll be in the hotel room and I'm Oh, they're on me, they're on me, you know, saying all the stuff that he's saying. I just think it's funny. I was never really a big gamer growing up, but I love it, man. It, it it takes his mind off golf. And uh, as far as myself goes, man, I hang out with, you know, a lot of other caddies. Um, I don't drink or anything like that. So I'm not a big, you know, let's go to the bar. A lot of the guys are. Um, that's just not my scene. That's not my speed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just kind of taking it easy and finding good guys to hang out with and um, kind of making, making an experience. Because at, at the end of the day, yeah, we're all there for a job. But you got to appreciate what you're doing. You got to kind of enjoy it. It's not a vacation by any means, but if you can somehow find a way to enjoy your time um, being in a different city every single week and um, find good people to hang around, it it makes for a good time for sure. You mentioned earlier that you like to go out and walk the course with some veteran caddies. Mm -hmm. So if you see a guy in the caddy tent or on the range that you know has been out there for a while, how do you open up that conversation? Yeah. So, um, I'm very outgoing and very talkative. Anybody that knows me will tell you I'll make friends with a rock. Um, I just, I have always been that way. And, um, I think it's treated me well. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not shy to walk up to a guy and, Hey man, how are you? Heard you're a legend out here, you know, just kind of start shooting the crap with them. And, uh, they asked me, you know, my story, I'm pretty new out here and, um, I'm, I love to learn everything I can to, to, to get better. Cause I want to be a, a really good caddy. And, um, the best way to, to learn is from the guys that have already been there and th- that have seen it and done it all. And, have rode the roller coaster ride of emotions that comes with um, tour caddying, and uh, so yeah, I mean it's nothing that's like really awkward or anything. Just you know, walk up to the guys and hey, how you doing? This is who I am, and by now they pretty much all know who I am. I know who they are, um, so they're pretty open as far as you know. Hey man, I'd love to come walk the course with you and just kind of pick pick your brain a little bit, see your yardage book, see how you market around the greens, you know your spots to miss, how how you're doing that stuff, and. Um, just kind of being a sponge. And, uh, like I said, I do talk a lot, but in those cer- certain situations, man, I'm, I, I'd like to not talk a lot and let those guys talk and just kind of take in the information that they're giving me because it's free game. And, uh, if they can tell me one thing that's going to save my guy a stroke or help me in the long run, it, that, 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 that's huge for me. And that goes a long way. And I'm super appreciative of those, those guys to even, um, want to teach somebody younger and, you get those guys that are kind of not very friendly to new guys. And it takes a little while to kind of even, you know, guys last year that I thought were these terrible guys that were just mean and hated the world. And now I realize that that's just kind of how they are. And um, they're nice to me now. It just, it was never anything personal. It's just, that's how they go about their business. They're out there to do a job. And and, and I get that. Um, So yeah. Yeah. uh, Just kind of being friendly and walk up and talk to them. Perfect. Tell tell us like one specific thing that you had with a particular caddy uh, that you learned something from, like one particular tip that they gave you or something of that nature. Well, I could give two things, man. Um, and the first one's kind of funny. It's not really like a, a normal thing, but you know, you go from club caddying and you know, little things like raking bunkers, you know, I, I thought I knew how to rake a bunker. I'm like, there's not a, a certain way to rake a bunker, you know? And I get out there my first week, and uh, there's a veteran caddy. His name's Chris Schwartz. He caddied, he caddied for a lot of guys. He caddied for Tom Whitney last year, just caddied for Brett White in the waste management. Um, and he saw me raking a bunker, and it was in Raleigh in my first tournament. And he's, like, freaking out over in my peripheral vision, but he's not saying words. And I'm like, dude, what is this What is this guy's deal? What's going on here? And he walks over to me. He's like, that is not how you rake a bunker. He said, you do not push a bunker in the rake so long story short he kind of um he kind of taught me the correct way if you will to rake a bunker and I was like wow like I didn't know like it was this meticulous I didn't know it got down this nitty-gritty um and now Jacob makes fun of me and he'll tell tells me all the time he's like I've never seen anyone rake a bunker the way you rake a bunker it's kind of ridiculous actually like I always hear that the story about Jordan Spieth, you know, hitting into a bunker and he's complaining, goes back on shot tracer and sees who the last guy in the bunker was. And he reams his caddy because it was a terrible rake job. And I definitely will not be that guy. That would not be happening to me. You'll, you'll have a good lie in any bunker I rake. So, yeah, I will, I will say I will never rake a bunker uh, the same way after caddying on the corn ferry tour. Cause <laughs> yeah. you definitely learn quick. For sure. For sure. The other thing I guess I could say is, um, a guy named Darren Domain last year, me and Roka didn't make the playoffs. So I went and caddied the women's tour, the Epson tour um, for two weeks and uh, just walking the course with that guy. He's a very, you know, 
his the way he looks at a, a, a golf hole is, was completely different than I had ever looked at a golf hole and just certain numbers about where to miss. And, you know, he's got numbers, whether this is a four, you, you know, you absolutely cannot hit it here. This is a one. It's OK to chip out of this or certain things like that around the green that kind of helped me uh, when I walk up to a green. I look at it completely different now and I, I'm looking at where you can miss and um, if there's a spot with some gnarly rough that you just really don't want to be in or going over a bunker, certain things like that, um, that he taught me just kind of around the greens and kind of how to approach, um, different greens and, um, finding the good spots to miss and the bad spots to miss. And, um, yeah, so Darren Domain, definitely, that was, uh, that was a big help for sure. And I, I still use that to this day in my yardage books. So that is cool. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today the last question we ask every guest and for you it's going to be a two-parter and i'm actually going to make it a little unique as to the second part so the last question we ask every guest is if you go back to yourself as a junior golfer tell yourself just one thing what would that one thing be and then for you because you're a caddy tell us if you could tell one caddy or a caddy who was just starting out on the corn Ferry tour if you could tell them just one thing what would that one thing be yeah, so as far as the if I was a junior golfer, one thing I'd tell myself is take take it a little bit more serious and kind of enjoy the ride because it's uh, golf's ever changing and it's something that you know you're not always going to be perfect. You only get those John Roms and Scotty Shufflers every once in a while, you know, um, and those guys obviously put the back end work into it to to be that good. But uh, just kind of stay patient with it. It's it's a hard game. If it was easy, everybody would do it, um, and and don't expect greatness quick you know just kind of take it in stride and learn little things by little things um and then as far as the caddying thing goes man um kind of the same thing like just don't don't show up to every tournament thinking that you're gonna win um obviously you like to have that in the back of your head knowing that your guy has a chance to win but if you go out and miss the cut you know you can't live and die by every single cut you you, you just can't it's it's not possible to to be successful in, in this game if you're, you know, you miss a cut and your world's coming to an end. Um, so just be patient and uh, take it all in. Enjoy the ride. It's a, it's a, it's a roller coaster, but enjoy it. And um, yeah, just stay in it for the long haul. And I guarantee you on the other end, you'll, you'll be happy that you did. So Awesome. Where can people find you on social media if they want to reach out to you or learn more about you? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram, uh, Brock Dupree three, um that's pretty much i do facebook as well kind of sort of but mostly instagram is is where i do my posting and um i'm pretty active i I like to post pictures i like to you know we we go different places every week so i i like to post little things you know uh jacob's been a a highlight reel the past two weeks he made a hole in one in savannah is wet he you know he hit a wedge shot into uh, the par five this past week in chile and the guy that in our pro-am was recording it and he holed that out and He's starting to not like to use a putter, which I'm completely okay with. If we're going to knock everything in with a wedge, I'm, I'm completely cool with that. Um, but yeah, so uh, you, you can find me on Instagram, Brock Dupree 3. Perfect. Be sure to give Brock a follow. And then if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please subscribe and leave us a rating. If you're listening on YouTube, please like and subscribe. This helps us get our message out to more people. And if you're trying to find us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at the tournament code and on Twitter at tournament code. As always, we appreciate you joining us and we look forward to diving in deeper to what it takes to play elite tournament golf. 